Okay. Um, go ahead and grab your Bibles, and you know where we're going to turn, so if you want to head start, go ahead and go to John. But be, while you're turning there, I want to take you to another story first to help sort of introduce what we're going to talk about in John 7 today. Uh, but this is, uh, if you remember the story of Cinderella. Now, I, I remember the um, the old cartoon version of Disney before they did all the remakes and new versions and re- all that kind of stuff. And um, But you remember near the beginning of the story, we learned about this poor young girl, and she's living with her stepmother and stepsisters, and they're really mean to her, and you feel really bad for her, and it all gets set up uh, by this invitation to come to the castle to the royal ball. Now, there's a couple quotes from this movie that I'm going to put up on the screen for you. The first one says this. It says, she's reading it, Be royal, uh, by royal command, every eligible maiden is to attend. Boom, she's in, right? It's like, that includes me. I'm in, right? Then it goes on to say this, what's a royal ball? After all, I suppose it would be frightfully dull and boring and completely, completely wonderful. See how it changed? It's sort of like, who wants to go? I do, right? It was a game-changing moment in the life of Cinderella, an invitation that would change her life, right, according to that story. Now let's talk about your story. When's the last invitation you received? What's the most memorable invitation that you received? I'm sure you've had a lot in your life. Maybe you got invited to a party. You got invited to a wedding. Maybe you got invited to go out on a date. Maybe you got invited to partake in a rebellious act that you will never tell your mom and dad about. We've all been invited to do something in our life, so go ahead, fill in the blank. Remember that moment? I would love, uh, I would like to invite you, it's a bit of live, I would like to invite you, um, you want to, just fill in the blank. What was that invitation that was most memorable to you? You see, just as there are many invitations that have come your way, there are just as many opportunities and memories that come with those invites. And there's also a variety of responses, Right? You may respond to some of those invitations in your life with fear. Ooh, I'm, I, I don't know what I would wear. I don't know what I don't know if I should go. Maybe there's joy. Oh, I got invited to, and yes, I'm in. Or maybe there's some drudgery and some dread, like I gotta go to a wedding. I'm sure none of the men in here have ever said that. Uh, it's probably the joy, right? I get to go to a wedding, right? Yeah, there's sarcasm in there somewhere, right? Well, with all the opportunities and memories, there are responses. And in John chapter 7, we learn of an incredible, significant invitation. It's an invitation for not just the rich, not just the famous, but like Cinderella, it's for everybody. Matter of fact, it's for anyone. Let me hear you say anyone. One more time, anyone. It's for anyone. So in your Bibles, turn to uh, John chapter 7. As I said last week, this is the Jewish festival of shelters, also known as the festival of tabernacles. It's taking place in which all male Jews had to come back to Jerusalem for this festival. And uh, the place is crowded and packed. It's a joyful week-long celebration. Families are camped out in temporarily made uh, shelters to remember God's faithfulness to Israel. When they left Egypt and they wandered through the wilderness, and they had to set up tents every day to live in. And 
So it's sort of the same thing going on here. We're going to come back. We're going to remember that moment, how God was faithful to us. And so uh, they still do this. They, they have their makeshift tents or, or booths that they set up with branches or wood. And they, they do it in town. They do it in their backyard, in their back alley, or up on the roof of their own home. Um, and they, they live in there. And, and, and again, it's a, it's a time of thanksgiving and celebration. Let's reflect back to what God did. And let's celebrate that. Well, here we are. In this story, now six months out from when Jesus is going to be arrested and crucified. So you can imagine uh, that there's an increased intensity. Even in, the, in the, the teachings of Jesus Christ, it gets a little bit more, I don't want to say dramatic, but more intense. And, and the people, their attitudes, their opinions, the religious leaders, those that are watching, their intensity of who is this Jesus grows as well. And the people become more boisterous. Now understand that the customs of this day was when you got to the temple is you would sit and you would teach. Jesus, however, as we read in scripture, stands up and shouts his message. Take a look with me. John chapter 7, verse 37. And it says this, on the last day, the climax of the festival, this is it, last day, Jesus stood and what? He shouted to the crowds. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. You just imagine him belting that out. Verse 38 goes on to read, if you can read on your Bibles. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit would be be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered his glory. Now again, there's, there's eight days in this festival. And on every certain, and on every day there's a certain public ceremony that was sort of, that, that took place. Each day there was something new that was going to remind you and I of God's faithfulness. So these people as they were going through every day of this festival, whatever it was that day was supposed to trigger in my mind, the Messiah is coming. God's been faithful, and the Messiah is going to come. The amazing thing was that in the midst of this festival, the Messiah is right there with them, and they're not recognizing him. So you can imagine now, on the eighth day, the day of this day that Jesus stands up and cries out his invitation, this day was actually really impressive. Because it's on this day, the priests, accompanied by the worshipers, would get up and go out of the temple. They would go outside the city to the Pool of Siloam. And they would fill their golden pitchers with water. Then they would march back into the temple area with their water. And they would march around the altar seven times. And on the eighth time, they would pour out their water upon the altar. And it would remind them how God took care of their thirst. And how God took care of them when they were out in the wilderness. And so you can imagine keeping this in mind as they're pouring out the water on the altar. And everybody's like, oh, they're just getting excited, right? And Jesus stands up and shouts, anyone who is thirsty, come to me. Can you imagine that? Sort of picture what's going on. Do you think the people are connecting to him too? To what's going on here? About the Messiah? Probably not. But he said anyone. Let me hear you say anyone. anyone. Now, if you remember, um, Jesus uses this word quite often, but maybe in a different form. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that whoever, that be anyone. 
In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone, it sounds like what? Anyone, right? Anyone. Or should we put an exclamation point behind it? Anyone. Anyone, everyone, everybody. Jesus has a message that included the Jews and the Gentiles. You and me. Listen very carefully. Your background. Your education. Whether you're male or female, young or old. No matter where you live. Your status, your strength, your race. It doesn't matter. Jesus says, anyone. The invitation is the same today. Whether you don't have a home and you are homeless, whether you are renting an apartment or whether you rent a house or you own a house or you own a mansion, it doesn't matter. Whether you're uneducated, second grade education, high school diploma, college diploma, a doctorate, it doesn't matter. White, black, Hispanic, Asian, whatever your race, it doesn't matter. He says, if anyone is thirsty, come. Wait, thirsty? You mean like quench your throat thirsty? Like perhaps knowing Jesus, it's, it's more like I need a drink of water, right? And Jesus, like, you know when Jesus talks and teaches, there's always a deeper meaning, right? So as the water is being poured and Jesus is shouting out, if anyone's thirsty, come to me. They're like, whoa, why should we? The water's right there. Jesus has got a deeper meaning, doesn't he? And people know it. People know it. But I believe he's making an invitation because he knows we're all thirsty. We all thirst for something in our lives. We, we thirst for things like money. We want to have enough money, right? Just sort of chasing after that, that American dream to be rich. And, or maybe it's the material things. I've got to have. I've got to go buy this. I've got to buy more. And, oh, oh that just came out? Got to get the newest. Got to get the latest. Got to have, got to have, got to have, right? Or maybe there's a thirst within us for power. I want to be the president of my company. I want to be the top person in this position. I want to have control. I want power. How about fame? We all want celebrity status. We all want to be liked. How many likes did I get? How popular was my post? Oh, we thirst for that, right? Even relationships, whether it be sexual or companionship or whatever it may be, we, we, we thirst for this. We thirst for healing. We thirst for help. I believe we all thirst to be accepted, to be loved, to be understood. Somebody would just understand me. If somebody would just treat me as if I have value. We thirst for all these things. And Jesus says, if you're thirsty, he doesn't specify which, but he throws out, if you're thirsty, come, I'll quench that thirst. What is it that you're so unsatisfied about? What is it that you are thirsting for? Come to me. There it is. The invitation. Better than any invitation that Cinderella will receive or you or I will receive is an invitation that Jesus says, whatever it is you're thirsting for, come to me. Come to me. Church, what is it that you're seeking? What is it that you're chasing after? What are you trying to find that's going to make you feel better? 
You go to bed at night thinking, well, maybe it'll be better tomorrow. And you just keep seeking and searching and chasing and thirsty. Some of us chase after the things of this world, the pleasures of this world, the finances, the fame, right? But what did Jesus say about all that? In your Bibles, in the book of Mark, chapter 8, verses 36 and 37, it says this. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and what? Thirst for righteousness. What is righteousness? It's right. It's being right with God. When you hunger for that, when you thirst for that, then you'll be satisfied. So Jesus tells us in Matthew six thirty-three, he says, Seek first then the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and you'll have everything you need. So instead of my seeking for this thirst for fame or, or money or relationship, I'm supposed to seek God. And when I seek Him, everything else will be taken care of. When you chase and when you seek after Him, you find that quenching. And, and Jesus boldly stands up in the midst of all this teaching that's been going on and He shouts it out. He gives the invitation. If anyone, anyone in here is thirsty, come. Come to me. He is seeking out the needy. He's seeking out the restless, the longing hearts. Is that you, church? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to come up here. But if Jesus were here today and he stood up here and he said, Hey, are you hurting? Are you lonely? You've been struggling with an issue? You've been popping pills, trying to find peace, going to bed extra early because you just, maybe you're sleeping away? Maybe you're chasing after stuff, buying stuff you don't need because maybe you think that will make you happy. Caffeinating yourself because you think, well, I just got to get through this. If you're thirsty and you're seeking, come to me. How many of us would get out of our seats and come to him? How many of us would admit that we are in need, that we're seeking? The key is Jesus when we look at this. And it's, it's not just those things, but he says, when you come to me, I want to help you something. And it's, it's getting rid of what's going on in here. It isn't just saying, I'm going to give you peace. It's, I'm going to get rid of that sin in your life. I'm going to clean up what's going on inside you. Because until we clean it up, it doesn't any good to put something else in there. And the key again is Jesus, that living water. And he doesn't say, follow these doctrines, follow these creeds, follow these rules. Hey, come to a church, come hear a pastor, come feel something incredible. Jesus says, come to me. It puts all that other stuff aside. Sometimes we believe we're supposed to feel a certain way, like, well, I don't feel any different. Listen, listen carefully. Salvation is only through Christ alone. Come to him and him alone. Don't let your emotions fool you. Don't let doctrines fool you. Come to the truth. Come to who Jesus is. And so how do you respond to this? How do we respond to this, church? Well, look what the crowds did. Remember last week we talked about this? We said when the crowds, they were really indifferent to him. Some, uh, some believed, some didn't. Remember, this was a slide from last week we talked about 
how in the earlier verses, some of them said, well, he's good, you know, he's a fraud, he's a deceiver, he is us. They were surprised by his knowledge that, that well, he's demon-possessed, he's crazy, uh, he's, he's, just, he's just a man, right? They had all these thoughts about who Jesus is, but now after he stands up and says all this, what are they still saying? Look at verse 40. Verse 40, chapter 7. When the crowds heard him say this, some of them declared, surely this man is the, the prophet we've been expecting. Others said, he is the Messiah. Still others said, but he can't be. Will the Messiah come from Galilee? For the scriptures clearly state that the Messiah will be born of the royal line of David in Bethlehem, the village where King David was born. Pause for a second. These people were not doing their homework, were they? They had no idea where Jesus came from. They, they assumed he was from somewhere else, not understanding that, yeah, he's from the line of David. This is him. Verse 43. So the crowd was what? Divided about him. Some even wanted him arrested, but no one laid a hand on him. Now, before he was good, he was a deceiver. He was a fraud. He was demon-possessed. He was crazy. He was good. Now they say, you know, he might be the prophet. He might be the Messiah. Once again, they're divided. How about you? We asked you this last week. Who is Jesus to you? I'll pose the same question. Who is Jesus to you? What do you say about Jesus? Do you think he's able to help you? Did you ever go off to work or to school or somewhere and somebody just throws out the name of Jesus Christ because they're swearing or they're mad? And you just like, <laughs> we laugh at it? It's the, that's the name of our Savior. That's the one we worship. And we laugh. Who is Jesus to you? Do you defend him? Do you stand up for him? Do you boldly proclaim, I know him and I believe in him? Let me ask you another question. A lot of questions this morning. Are you thirsty for him? Like, what does that mean, right? Listen, some of us in here, maybe some of the students, you want to be the star athlete. You, you want to finish in first place. You want your name in the newspaper, right? Or maybe some of us parents want our kids' names in the newspaper more than they do, right? Or you want to be the top student in your class, getting the great grades. Maybe you want to be the famous singer, the best actor. You want to be the most talented in whatever it is you're pursuing. Some of us, you know, let's move off to us adults. We want to be rich. We want to be well-known too, right? Or we want to have enough stuff. Or we want the newest fashions. Or maybe we just, we want people to know that we matter, Here's the thing. We're all thirsty in here. We're all thirsty here. The question is, what are you thirsty for? And if you admit that there is a thirst in you, and you admit that something still feels missing, will you admit that only Christ can fill that need? Quench that thirst? What is it? What is it that's going to quench our thirst? What is it that's going to make us feel whole and complete? Because some of us don't right now. There's an evangelist, his name is R.A. Torrey. He was among 60,000 troops at the Chickamauga uh, par, uh, Park during the Spanish-American War. He was a chaplain, actually, with a lot of these men as they were fighting. He worked for the YMCA. They had chaplains. And um, he was there with these men when they were fighting. And, and this is what he said. He wrote this down. He said, there's no rain for days. The air was full of dust, 30 feet high and day and night, and they ate dust, drank dust, slept dust, dreamt dust, and no matter 
No water was fit to drink. And I knew what it meant to be thirsty. And when a man is really thirsty, it seems as if every pore in his body has just one cry. Water, 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 he wrote. And then he went on to write this. And when a man thirsts spiritually, his whole being has just one cry. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit. And Ari Tori goes on to say, that must be our cry. We must get to the point where we admit we are so thirsty that we cry out, not for the things of this world to satisfy us, but we cry out, come Holy Spirit, Lord, give me your Holy Spirit to quench what is going on in my life, to fill this need. Listen carefully. We were created to be in a relationship with the God of this universe. Did you know that? Go back to the book of Genesis, first book in the Bible. And God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. He had a relationship. And he wants that same relationship with us. But because of sin, we're separated. That's why he had to send his son. That was his ultimate plan. To send the Savior to save us from our sins. To get rid of that sin so that we could have that relationship with God. And for those of us who confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. And that sin is taken out. The penalty has been paid. And we have that relationship with him. God desires for us to have that relationship. And until we stop seeking pleasure and fulfillment in other things, we will never fully understand the relationship that God wants to have with us. Jesus says, let me take care of that thirst. Come to me. All right. So you're like, what do you mean come to me? What's that all about, right? Okay, so if you look up the, maybe the, the, the Greek or the original text and try to understand, okay, so what does he mean by come? What is that invitation is all about? It basically means it's really simple. It's just to believe in, to have faith in, to commit yourself to. Now, some of you have seen pictures, and you know that when I was younger, when I was in middle school, um, I basically was the same weight I am now, but a lot, lot shorter, okay? So figure that out. So just take me and squish me a little bit, okay? That was my middle school and, and elementary, okay? So up in our barn, we had this big rope swing. Up in the hay mound. I mean, it was awesome. You'd swing from one hay mound to the other hay mound, right? Well, I swung on that, and I broke it. I was too heavy, okay? It's all right. Don't feel bad for me. It's my fault. I was heavy, okay? But then out in my grandpa's front yard, he had this big oak tree, big, thick ropes, wooden swing, Right? It wasn't too long after that incident, I hop on that swing and start swinging real big in my grandpa's uh, front yard, and boom, I broke that swing as well, okay? Started getting this little hint that I can't trust the rope. It's the rope's fault, right? Yeah, that's what you could sort of believe. But here's the thing. Come to me is that invitation to believe in, to have faith in, which basically is this. Regardless of who I am, how much I weigh or don't weigh, my size, my stature, my back, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go to that rope and I'm going to grab onto it. And I'm going to swing it. That's what it means to have faith in. God, I've got a different background than everybody else. And everybody else in here has got a different background than everybody else. We're all different. But it doesn't matter who you are. Christ says, come to me. Grab onto the rope. Trust me, I will hold you. You won't break me. That's what it means to come to me. To, to believe that when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, he will hold you. Look at verse 38. 
anyone, oh, there's that word again, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered his glory. Jesus would enter his glory after his crucifixion, resurrection. He would ascend into heaven. He would, he would go into his glory, right? And then the Holy Spirit would come. We're in that stage right now. When you've confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, God has given you his Holy Spirit. If you're in here and you're a believer, you've got God's Spirit in you. Every one of us. He goes on to say this, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. But what does it mean to drink? To drink something. It's to open it up, to take it. Ah, ingest it. To taste it. To let it go in. To nourish my body. That's what it means to drink of something, right? It'll help me, it'll nourish me, it'll help me grow, right? When you believe in God, when you come to him, you are also going to ingest his words, the word of God. And you will ask his spirit to penetrate you and change you. God's Holy Spirit is like that water that comes into you and nourishes you and grows you. You know, the thing is, it's not a sip either. See, I, I take a drink, but here's the thing. Um, it's not a one-time drink. I'm probably going to have another drink later. We get done preaching. You guys start to head out. I'll probably grab this, take another drink. And I'll probably have another drink this afternoon. I like my water, right? So th- that's just what we do. I raise funds for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I, I raise funds, and I'm, I'm set for this next month or two. But here's the thing. The next month, I still got to raise funds. I'm not done. I got to do more, right? Some of you go to practice. You went to practice one day, that's great. But guess what? You've got to go to practice the next day if you're going to get better to be in the game. It isn't a one-time thing in our life. Everything that we do, even if like I'm cheering for my team and they won, like, yes, we won. Hey, we got another game Friday night. Oh, another game. Okay, got to get ready for that one, right? You see, it's continual. When God gives us his Holy Spirit, it's there. It isn't like, oh, I lost it. I need to come back. God's spirit is still there. John 7, 39 says, when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. Did you hear that, church? When God's Holy Spirit is at work within us, it isn't just giving us gifts. A lot of us are like, well, what's the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Those are important to know. And we, 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 we thrive and we want to know. It's like, I want to know what my gift is. What, what gift does God give me? Let me tell you what the first thing the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comes into your life to sanctify us. Sanctification. It's basically, I mean, a cleaning out. And we can't enjoy the gifts of the Spirit until we are sanctified. The more we are sanctified, the greater the Holy Spirit can work in us and through us. And being full of the Spirit doesn't mean just, I'm full of the Spirit I've got great gifts. Being full of spirit also means that you are living a holy lifestyle. It's a confessing of our sins daily. It's a yielding to what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. If we are doing this, well, then what? We'll be satisfied, right? Yes. But don't miss the rest of the scripture. We become a means by which others are satisfied. 
Christ-centered living allows us to be other-centered, not self-centered. Look back in Scripture with me, where it says, For the Scriptures declare, rivers of what? Living water will flow from his heart. When you look at this scripture, understand this. Jesus didn't die just to give us warm, fuzzy feelings. All right? He gave us his Holy Spirit, his spirit, to make us like Jesus Christ in this world right now. We do this by sharing with others. We do this by getting interested in the lives of others. We do this by participating. Backyard bash, GPS, Tupas, the nursery, children's church. You know why we do all that? Because we are other-centered. Because God's Spirit is flowing into us and overflowing out. So we love others. And as we're loving others, we're teaching them about Jesus. We're sharing our love about Jesus. Jesus didn't speak of something, you know, coming into a person that was it, but also flowing out of us as well. It wasn't just a blessing to be received, but it was also a blessing to give others. Church, we have God's Spirit living in us, one, to change us, but two, to also be blessing other people with. For the one who does believe in Jesus, Jesus says, I'm going to give you this perpetual river of flowing water, the flowing Spirit that's going to move through you. Essentially, Jesus was saying this, put your loving trust in me, enthrone me in your heart and your life, and abundance will flow out of it. This outflowing life and abundance comes in and through the presence of the Spirit of the life of the believer. See, the, the nature of that experience is going to differ from for all believers, right? But we're all promised that we'll receive it by faith. How you express God's Holy Spirit in you is going to be different than somebody else who express God's Holy Spirit. But we have all received his Holy Spirit for anyone who believes. If you're a Christian, you have God's Holy Spirit living in you. If you say, well, I can't, I say you're wrong. God's Spirit is in you. God's Spirit can work through you. It is an amazing thing. It should be spilling and overflowing out of you. If each of us, think about this. If God's like water, okay, we thirst. And he says, I will fulfill that thirst. And he gives us his spirit. He, he forgives us, he changes us, and his spirit dwells in us. And now we can let that grace and mercy flow out of us. There should be a flood going on around here. There should never be a drought of God's love. Um, Charles Spurgeon talks about the Thames River in England. And the Thames River, its tide goes in and out so much, it's, it's pretty amazing. They actually have a museum, I'll show you a picture in a second. But when the tide goes out, he used it like this. He said, it's sort of like this. When the tide goes out, all the boats are stuck in the mud. You, you can't get any, no man can go in and lift up these boats and move them. No machinery can get in because they're so stuck in the mud to get in and move these boats. No matter what you do, you can't move the boats. You know what, you know what will move the boats? It's when the water comes in and the tide lifts and it raises up these boats. Then a child can simply push with their finger and move a boat. And he compares, and I'll show you this river. When the tide is out, you see these, there's four statues here. But when the tide comes in, their heads are almost covered. The museum pictures here shows uh, how if, if you're standing there at the very bottom of this glass uh, 
window. When the tide gets low, it's already down at the bottom. Obviously, you can see the dirt in the ground, the mud, the muck, right? But when the tide comes in, it raises all the way up above. Charles Spurgeon was basically saying, the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, basically, the tide is in. Church, we need to pray for that for our church. Pray for our lives. That God's Spirit is at work within us. One, sanctifying us, cleansing us, but then also at work with us to overflowing into the lives of others. Think about this. If this church is truly understanding the power of God's Spirit at work, we are a flood. And we move things that are immovable. And we do things that are undoable. Just as the tide comes in and these boats that are stuck in mud, when the tide comes in, man, they rise up. And things can happen. I believe in the same way when God's Spirit is at work, we can see mighty things happen by His grace and love and mercy being shown. I'm telling you, school starting, I know that was a bad thing to say, right? Some of you are like, amen, amen. Oh, man. School starting. You're heading back. And I'm going to tell you right now, no back-to-sell or back-to-school sale is going to quench your thirst. No new friendships are going to quench your thirst. No sports victory is going to quench your thirst. No exciting news of what happened this fall is going to quench your thirst. No new boyfriend or girlfriend is going to quench your thirst. Adults, no paycheck is going to quench your thirst, your longing. No promotion will take care of your pain. No pill, no drink will erase your depression. All these things that are coming our way, I'm telling you right now, none of them will be quenched. That's why Jesus stood and said, anyone who is thirsty, come to me. Come to me and drink. I ask the worship team to come forward. Church, listen very carefully. It's the greatest invitation you will ever receive. The greatest invitation you'll ever receive. Better than any invitation like a Cinderella will get. Better than any invitation you'll get to go to a party. Better than, better than any invitation that you will get to maybe take on a job and make money or whatever it may be. This is the best invitation you will ever receive. There's an invitation that Jesus gave then and he still gives today. Are you thirsty? Are you hungering? What's going on in your life? Do you need that thirst to be quenched? Come to Jesus. Would you stand, please? If you're here this morning and you don't know who Jesus is, you've never prayed, you've never asked him to forgive you of the things that you've done in your life, today's a great day to do that. The invitation is there. Come. Come and confess those sins to him. Ask him to come into your life to quench what is going on. If you are in here today and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you've confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Christ is Lord, but you're still searching and seeking, you're pretty dry right now, come to him. Ask him to quench that thirst, to fill that need, to get rid of whatever it is that's going on in your life, to just sanctify you, to make you clean. Ask his spirit to work through you, to flow out of you, His Spirit's there. What if, as a church, we rise up and we allow God's Spirit to work through all of us, all the time? What kind of outreach programs would we have?
What kind of youth programs would we have? What kind of nursery, children's church would we have? Oh, wait, it doesn't have to be a program, does it? It could just be the way you live at home, at work, recreation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome God you are. Thank you, Lord, for your truth and your word. Thank you that in the midst when everything was so tense, Jesus stood and shouted, Anyone who's thirsty, come to me. And they had to click with many who thought, this is the Messiah. And others didn't believe. God, I pray that everyone in here this morning believes that. That you are the Messiah. That if we will come to you, you will wipe away our sins. You will wipe away our thirst. You'll quench us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Allow your Holy Spirit, God, we pray, we ask for your Holy Spirit just to flood out of our lives. As you pour into us, Lord, your living water, your Holy Spirit. God, may that overflow out of us into the lives of others at school and at work. And may we stand boldly just as you stood before all those religious leaders and proclaim the truth. God, if we need to confess, we confess now. If we need to cry out, we cry out now. Lord, you are the Messiah. We love you, Lord. We worship you. Come to you now. In my name we pray. Amen.